Welcome once again to another episode of the Random Access Podcast brought to you by RAPodcast.net. This is episode 229, recorded live on the 5th of November, 2011. And here are your hosts, the man from Wisconsin, Dave Play. Hey! The man from Michigan, Andy Lowe. Hi. And our guests at the moment, the man from Cleveland, Jeremy from Handelabra. Hello. And the man from Nova Scotia, John, also from Handelabra. Greetings. So, yes, we have two people from Handelabra. They are going to discuss their upcoming game along with other assorted topics. Handelabra products. Handelabra products. Their game is called Uncle Slam. I love the play on words. And no, it is not a thrash metal band. Not to be confused with. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was an interesting discovery. So, so us as well. Yeah. <laughs> so you didn't know about that. Oh, we, we, were, we spent a, a good amount of time trying to find a good name for the game. It was actually originally called Presidential Pugilism, which got ended up getting vetoed because it had too many syllables. And we discovered Uncle Slam and that there wasn't a game called Uncle Slam, but that there was, as you say, a crossover American thrash metal band named Uncle Slam. He's also the mascot of the Washington Nationals. Ah, uh, yes. Really? Oh, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, okay, I could see that. So, Presidential Pugilism, by the way, I think is a fantastic name. I, that's my personal, you know, baby, but I realize it's not. It might be the subtitle. Okay. <laughs> I got to play this game. Andy has not. Would you guys, as the designers and creators, like to explain what it is? John, you want to talk? Sure. On the surface, it's a two-player fighting game where you have, you know, your guy on the left-hand side and your guy on the right-hand side, and you fight each other until one person wins. The twist, of course, is that the characters are United States presidents, and the stages are the White House, Mount Rushmore, you know, even stuff like, you know, Nixon Presidential Library, stuff all over the states that is presidential. And what we've tried to do is bring a unique take on the gameplay and the controls as well by making them all touch-based and very natural feeling um, and making it a little more a little more like a boxing game than a fighting game. So you're not necessarily, you know, jumping and kicking, but you're, you know, doing uppercuts and managing your stamina and trying not to go down for the count. Yeah, one of the things that we discovered very early on when we were first brainstorming the game was we're going to do Mortal Kombat for American presidents. And then we realized... Well, there's some elements of those sorts of fighting games that you probably are going to get in trouble with putting them <laughs> with American presidents. And we also realized that, you know, for in terms of the platform being iPad, trying to do a really hardcore, twitchy, three-frame punch professional fighting game might be biting off a little bit more than we could chew. So we decided to go a lot more towards a, I, I, you know, I hesitate to, to name the big, the big one, the Angry Birds, but to go more towards that sort of an art style and then let that inform the gameplay a little bit, which is how we arrived at boxing as opposed to, you know, a more... match fighting. Yeah, MMA, <laughs> kind of whatever. Because it's, you know, it, it, at its heart, it's meant to be fun. It's not meant to be super, super, super competitive. So that was kind of what led us there. Yeah, you won't be seeing Millard Fillmore's spine dangling in the wind. Exactly. It would be exactly. pretty interesting to see that, but... <laughs> and I'm sure there are some people who would very much like to see someone like Richard Nixon's spine dangling in the wind, but not in our game, unfortunately. How many uh, playable characters do you have at the moment? We're uh, shipping with ten characters, nine presidents, and Uncle Slam is the final boss, uh, which you'll be able to unlock if you're good enough. So that's the initial launch because we, you know, we'd like to have the game out sometime in the reasonable future. But we are planning to release additional content so that we'll have all the presidents in the game. We don't have a timeline on that, but there's 35 presidents, and we'll get them eventually. Are you looking at other sorts of expansions, such as vice presidents or other people in the government? We actually got a number of requests at PAX when we were showing it off that people were like, "Can we do Canadian prime minister?" 
sisters? Can we do other world leaders? You know, a lot of this, at least in terms of our internal thinking, is if we can really get the game engine solid so that it's a fun, enjoyable fighting experience, you know, expanding it to any other sort of content is absolutely something we'd be interested in doing. We've had actually a number of people request things like professional sports athletes, which I'm sure there would be all sorts of licensing issues there. But, you know, it's definitely something we're interested in. You know, one of the main ideas we already have is something revolving around the presidential election next year where whoever the Republican candidate ends up being maybe is a free download that you can then use in the game or possibly even if we can get it in time, possibly even something for the Republican primary where all of the various Republican candidates are downloadable and you can play them against each other to sort of determine who might end up being the candidate, something like that. Now, how did you pick the first 10? I can see the big ones. You got Washington, Lincoln, Nixon. How did you pick the other ones, though? It was kind of wanted to have some of the big names, but we didn't want to have all the big names. You know, we wanted to, to hold some in reserve for uh, if you come out with, you know, the game has all the big names then no one's going to be interested in download pack of Franklin Pierce and Millard Fillmore and Grover Cleveland. <laughs> so part of it was that and part of it was one of the things we're looking for is, you know, a bit of an educational angle. And, you know, most people don't know who Millard Fillmore is. And he's actually kind of interesting. His official quote on the a White House Web page says something like he was the best example of mediocrity achieving greatness or something like that. So, uh, you know, it, it exposes a bit more of the history, I think. And one of the other things that's important to keep in mind is that we were really working hard at giving each president a unique play style so that it's not just a palette swap. So, you know, Lincoln is tall and his arms are really long, but then Taft, Howard Taft, is enormous. He, he's, you know, famous for having once gotten stuck in the White House bathtub. And so he is, you know, a bit of like a, like a brawler, you know, so he's smaller, but he's solid versus Lincoln, who's, got a, who's tall with like a really long reach. And so being able to pick a bunch of different body styles as well was also one of the goals so that you get a really solid mix of different characters to choose from. And the other cool thing about that is that, you know, aside from the educational angle, when we did our tournament at PAX, Miller Fillmore took the cup. So just because someone is a big name president doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be the best character to play in the game. I can see Washington having a wooden jaw or something like that instead of a glass mm-hmm. jaw. <laughs> nice. Uh, way to go, political humor. Woo. <laughs> yeah, one thing we've been doing along those lines is each character there's a special move that reflects something about their either apocryphal stuff or actual stuff. So Washington will chop down a cherry tree and have it smash his opponent as his special move. You know, our film art, you know, was difficult because he was just kind of a boring bookworm kind of guy, but he's got a statue with a cape. And so he kind of played on that. So he swirls his cape around himself for a buff for a while. Uh-huh. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, there's also it's really there's a wide variety of different ideas. You know, so there's sev- several of the special moves are defensive, like Miller Fillmore, he was just saying. Others are offensive, like, you know, Washington and chops down a cherry tree. And then some of them are sort of somewhere in between. Um, you know, Nixon's one we're actually really proud of. He basically flips off the lights and you don't really know what happens behind the scenes, but when it comes back up, your opponent's been knocked down. And so it's sort of playing on the idea of, you know, that he was a bit of a shady character. And, you know, we've, we've done what we can to find a good, whether, and like John said, whether it's part of their actual history or possibly part of their folklore, we've tried to find something unique to each president that might make somebody who's playing it go, I wonder what that's all about, and then maybe learn a thing or two as well. Now, I'm just now just picturing in my head something to do with uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt in a wheelchair, but... <laughs> yeah, he's a challenge. We're trying to figure out exactly what we're going to do with him. It's one of the reasons he's not in the, um, in the, the initial pack. we got to figure out how he's going to box from a wheelchair. You know, one of the ideas that's floated is to give him sort of like an X-Men, Professor Xavier floating wheelchair kind of thing, just so he can hang with the, with the rest of them. Give him an exoskeleton? Yeah, yeah so he, robot legs. Robot legs. <laughs> <laughs> now, I know you just touched on that, but how are the controls set up for the iPad? How are you doing the... Are you having like virtual buttons, kind of like the way the Simpsons are Arcade was set up for the iPad, or are you? How are you controlling people? Uh, this is 
something we were really inspired by. Like when the initial inspiration of the game came around at uh, WWDC, the Apple Developer Conference, and I was in a panel where, you know, talking about if you can avoid having buttons in your game, if you can let people directly interact, make it, then they're feeling like they're part of the world, right? They're not just pressing a button that then does something else. So we kind of looked at that and looked at other fighting games. Every other fighting game is a virtual joystick and virtual buttons. And it, frankly, it sucks. <laughs> it doesn't really work very well and doesn't feel very fun to play. So we uh, went the route of direct manipulation. So if you want to punch, you wipe forward on your guy, swipe forward on your glove, and it punches. You want to block, you pull back into a defensive sort of feeling gesture and starts blocking, and you can adjust your gloves by moving your finger where you want them to go. So it's been tricky to kind of come up with a control scheme based on direct mani- manipulation that works, but I think we found something good. One of the restrictions we've run into is we'd like to be able to use multiple fingers for stuff, but Apple's added these multitasking gestures to the iPad, and so you're playing two players and two people do a two-finger gesture at the same time, and suddenly your app switches or something. <laughs> Oops. So we've limited it to single finger, which has its own benefits too, because it's easier for kids to play and it's easier for people to learn if they don't have to know you have to use two fingers for this or two fingers for that. One of the other really cool things about being able to use gesture controls is in some ways it absolutely is limiting because a lot of people these days are sort of trained that this button does X, this button does Y, this button does, you know, whatever. But with gesture manipulation, you get the opportunity. So for instance, John was saying you swipe forward to punch, but if you swipe slightly upward, that'll give a velocity to your punch that's going to aim more towards the head. And if you swipe downward, it'll similarly give you more of like a body blow. And the speed at which you swipe also is what determines the power behind the punch. So you can do like a quick jab with a shorter swipe or a slower swipe, and then you can do like a more sort of like a roundhouse with a, with a stronger swipe. And so a lot of that, at some point on most controls, you run out of buttons. And so yes, with Mortal Kombat, there's like high punch, low punch, high kick, low kick, but you can get a lot more nuanced with what you can do with the gestures. And similarly with blocking. Blocking in most fighting games, there's like a button to block, and maybe if you crouch, that's like a secondary block. But with ours, you pull back and you hold, and you can literally just move your finger up and down. You can block all the way to the top of your head. You can block mid. You can block low. You can move it as you're blocking. So um, we think it's actually really been... It, it started off as a challenge, but it's really given us a lot of opportunities to come up with new and interesting stuff. So how is it programming for the Apple Touch screen, basically? I enjoy it quite a bit. I, my experience goes back to Turbo Pascal and Basic, but then, you know, through Delphi and C-Sharp and all, all Microsoft side stuff as well. Um, and I find, you know, working in on the Apple side of things is really nice. They have a really good framework uh, for working with stuff. And one of the really nice things is there's a really large developer community that shares a lot of free libraries. So if you're building a 2D game like we are, with physics like we are, you can really can't go wrong looking at the Cocos 2D graphics library, which, you know, it, it renders everything in OpenGL and it takes care of handling sprites and layers and animations for you. You just have to do a little bit of code and obviously artwork, but you don't have to worry about the lion's share of all the game programming or the engine programming stuff. And it also integrates well with physics libraries like Box 2D and, and Chipmunk. And it's nice, so we have a physics engine powering Uncle Slam. Everything that you're seeing on the screen is powered by the physics engine, so we don't need to worry about handling when does the punch hit the other guy. The physics engine tells us that, and it tells us how hard. And we don't have to make the guy move back or anything like that. He moves back because he got hit, because another mass impacted him and, and the force reacts and whatever. So being able to take advantage of all those freely available open source stuff uh, really helps a lot, and I think that really helps with the developer community on the Apple side. Now, I alluded to this in the intro, but Jeremy, you're in Cleveland. Yep. John, you're in Nova Scotia. Yep. How's that working out with you guys? How did that work out in the beginning, first off? And then how is it still working out? Because Yeah. Well, I actually know John. We met through a website called Ars Technica. You know, we're both members of the forums there. And we met because we were playing Xbox Live together. You know, there's a huge community of rhythm gamers there. And we would play rock band together. And, you know, so I just knew him as, on his, as his forum handle. And, you know, we would just play and have a good time. 
time. And then when I decided that I really wanted to get into this iPhone app game, I basically just sent him a, a message on the forum like, hey, I know you're, you're a programmer. Have you looked at this Apple stuff? Are you at all interested? Maybe I'm thinking about starting this thing up. He said, yeah, you know, I mean, I've looked at it a little bit. We can play around. And so on kind of a part-time basis for a while, he sort of, I came up with some ideas for some some apps. Specifically, the first one we did was called Style Assist. It's a photography app where you can take pictures. It was mainly made from like my wife so that she could take pictures of her hairstyles every time she got it done and have like a history of her hairstyles so that if she ever switched to a different stylist or if she said, hey, you know, I want to go back to how I looked last Christmas, it'd be easy for her to just bring that up and show a stylist. And so he did that for me part-time. We released it on the store August of last year. And as he started to get to know a little bit more about the iOS side of things, we started bringing some other people on. We've now, we've also got a guy in Salt Lake City. We've got a guy in Houston. We've got a guy now in outside of Boston. We have two different designers in Canada. One is also in Nova Scotia and one is in Edmonton. And so by starting from a point of view of not having a physical central location and sort of growing up in that world, we've actually found that it has been, despite the fact that there are challenges, it has actually been pretty freeing because it means that if we need to find a designer, I don't need to find a good designer in Cleveland or a good designer who's willing to relocate to Cleveland. I can just find a designer who wants to design and they can work right from home. So, so far, it's actually worked out pretty well. Now, you pointed out that stylus is thing, so I'm going to try and lean towards outside of Uncle Slam, but the whole Handelabra Studios. Segway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we have Uncle Slam will actually be our sixth or seventh, sixth or seventh major release that we've got on the App Store. Up until now, we focused, I should say we focused on being a little bit unfocused. You know, we've kind of picked, here's an interesting idea. Let's see if we can make an app around it. And so our second one that we did was Game Minder, which is probably a good one to mention uh, in relation to Uncle Slam. It's basically uh, an app that we hear about a game. It's just been announced. doesn't have a release date, but you want to make sure that you don't forget about it. You search for it in Game Minder. You set a reminder. And then if the date changes or if any new information comes out, it sends you a push notification. And then you can tell it to also remind you like the week it comes out so that you don't forget to either go buy it or pre-order it. We're actually adding the ability to order and pre-order it directly from Amazon as we speak. So that'll be coming pretty soon. And that was our sort of our second app. Uh, we also have a more generic version of that called Reminder, which is used for just reminding yourself like, oh, I need to take a pill in an hour. So you just, you know, set a quick little reminder. Um, and, you know, we've also got an alarm clock and style assist. And, um, you know, we just we've been trying out different aspects of the app store. And, you know, one of the ones we hadn't hit yet was games. And that was when John got the idea for Uncle Slam. So with these different aspects of the app store, what is working and what isn't working? Uh, far and far and away, our most successful app so far is Reminder. It actually just recently crossed 300,000 downloads. And it is, um, we were actually a little worried with iOS 5 that now has a built-in Reminders app. We were a little bit worried that it was going to sort of eat our lunch a little bit. But it's turned out that most people really don't like Apple's Reminders app. And uh, they've been sticking with ours. So uh, it's doing pretty well. You know, it's, um, it, it, like I said, it's very simple. But it, you know, part of the goal was to be simple, to give somebody a simple way to, to be able to remind themselves about things. Um, one of the ones that isn't working so much is Stylistist, unfortunately. Um, it seems like a really good idea, and everyone I talk to about it seems to think it's really great, but it just doesn't sell very well. So seems like it's kind of niche. It is, yeah, it is a bit niche. And so, um, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's out there. We haven't pulled it or anything, but we're not, we're not actively marketing it anymore because it just seemed like, you know, it had a little bit of a bump and then it sort of fizzled. So, you know, but it was our first app, too. It was, you know, a learning experience. Now, I'm also noticing on your uh, webpage, iOS only. How's that working? Where's my Android love? guys <laughs> john did you want to feel that one um how delicately do you want me to feel that? <laughs> well you know i was just saying to to these guys actually before we started recording you know they said how come no android and you know i'll say it now as i said it to them before you know if your business is selling software android is not a very 
good marketplace. <laughs> you know, obviously there's there's some of the technical reasons. You know, there's a hundred different devices. There's five or six different places to sell your software. And the fact is, people on Android, at least so far, have not shown a huge willingness to spend money on software. Um, GameMinder is probably going to be the exception. We're actually in the process of making a mobile web version to sort of generalize the GameMinder concept a little bit more. Uh, but the main reason for that is because we sort of envision GameMinder as being more of a product that supports itself as opposed to being a piece of software that gets sold. Um, you know, because on iOS, people are very willing to open up the pocketbook and spend a few bucks here and there for apps, but it, that has just not been shown to be as true on the Android side. Um, so for the time being, you know, we're just not, you know, if, if things change, we have nothing against Android as a platform. Um, it's really just a question of the business side of things. Well, I can see that because you think of where Apple came from and everything was out of the box, ready to go with an Apple computer. But then when you think of Google, everything's just out there and free. So it might just be their faces the way they are. Could be. That's my two cents on that one. <laughs> sure. From the development perspective, it definitely is a big factor that, you know, the whole, the, there's a lot of fragmentation there. Um, you know, that's, that's, a, that's something that was a big problem with mobile development before, you know, iOS and Android. You know, if you're, if you're you know, developing a, a game or an app, you have to deal with all kinds of screen sizes. You don't know what devices are going to support different features. Um, and one of the brilliant things about, the, you know, the iPhone and the iPod Touch and the iPad is that, you know, that's minimized. Um, you're, you know, every, every phone has the same screen size. Every phone, you know, has a well-defined feature set. And, you know, it's, there's a, they have a pretty good method for, you know, telling what's available and what's not. Um, on the Android side, you know, I have... I haven't done a whole lot directly, but I talked to a lot of developers who do. It's messy. They're just, you know, bitching at me all the time. <laughs> yeah, it, it's um, messy. Yeah, it's not even just the screen size. It's like if you're doing anything with the camera, you know, uh, front camera support is a nightmare because every every manufacturer has their own special library. You know, there's just all kinds of these minds, minefields that you need to navigate that you just don't have to on iPhone. Um, and it, I'm, you know, really disappointed that, you know, that the Android side went that way, you know, with, you know, very manufacturer-oriented um, fragmentation when it wasn't really necessary. But, you know, that's that was sort of the old style of mobile phones and they kept that ask of it. Um, so that makes me not really want to develop for it. And, you know, and as Jeremy said, the business, there's not really a huge business case for it as well. So Now, some of these things may be changing. I mean, with Google, with Google purchasing Motorola, you know, it, the, there's, a, there's a lot of sort of thought that that may be them realizing to make themselves more attractive to the development community, they may need to become a little bit more like iOS. And if that does happen, I could see that being a really good thing for developers. Um, I don't know how great it'll be for consumers, um, uh, but, you know, in a lot of ways, Google has kind of already sort of dug a grave with some of that stuff. You know, I just saw a, a flowchart the other day showing which devices were currently for sale and how many of them supported the most current version of, you know, whatever it is, gingerbread or, you know, ice cream sandwich or whatever all the various versions are. And almost there's almost no devices that can run the most ver recent version. And a lot of them don't even run the next most recent version. A lot of them are running two to three versions back. And there's no upgrade path for those people. And so especially when you're trying to think about, you know, we're like, for instance, uh, Uncle Slam is going to be iOS 5 only. And iOS 5 just came out less than a month ago. But there's absolutely no reason not to go iOS 5 only because Apple, by and large, Apple users who have devices that will support it will be something like 80 to 85% upgraded to iOS 5 within the first three months. And you, a lot of those people on Android don't even have the opportunity to be upgraded to the most recent version. So how do you pick a target? Like, you know, it's just, it's such a mess. Such a mess. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, I agree with you on that point entirely. Having to try and upgrade my phone um, using Cyanogen instead of T-Mobile's actual upgrade because T-Mobile's like, yeah, we're going to upgrade it at some point. I, I I don't know if T-Mobile is actually going to upgrade our phones, Andy. Oh. <laughs> Andy, well, you guys have? We, have a, we have G2s. Okay. Uh, which comes running uh, Froyo. Yeah. And then I rooted mine within the first week I had it. Andy rooted his recently. And so we're both up to... Gingerbread. Gingerbread 2.3, 2.4, yeah. something like that. So, Let me ask you guys this. 
How many how many apps have you spent money on for your phones? Five. Yeah. I can tell you right now, I've yeah. spent money on five apps for my phone. And are they games, utilities? Like what are they? Um, two of them are games. Three of them are utilities. Okay. Yeah, I've, I think I've bought about a dozen apps that I've actually paid for. Um, and do you buy them through the Google Store? Yeah. Yes. Okay. It's, it's um, one of them. One of them actually, I had to buy through the Amazon Store because that was the only place the guy was offering it. Mm. What app was that? A uh, hundred push-ups. Oh, okay. Oh yeah, I got that one for free on Amazon because they have their daily deal. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. See, that's a, that's a whole. That's other another thing from the Amazon development point of view. There's price. so many horror stories about. Oh, I decided to go with Amazon, and then Amazon decides to make it the free one for a day, and so it gets essentially given away. Yeah. I've then, heard that you can get really screwed from Amazon Store. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's one thing I've heard. You know, they'll promise you that you're going to be featured, and then they drag their feet or whatever. And and the weird thing is they they decide the price, right? Mm-hmm. You can't say I'm selling my app for two dollars because that's what I want to market it, or I want to sell it for ten dollars because it's a premium app and I want to be at that price point, right? You yep. you're at their whim. You're completely at their mercy. Yeah. Although in the regular market, you you have significantly more control, right? And you don't have a four month BS approval process. Well, you know what? It's funny you mentioned that because um, when we first um, started submitting apps, the approval process was actually a lot longer than it is now. And I think, you know, despite all of the negative press that Apple's received and, you know, the few apps that go into sort of development hell and just sort of sit and review and they never are communicative, we have not yet had an experience like that. And by and large, um, we've actually had over the last month, we've had updates that have been submitted, entered review, and been released on the store in less than six hours. Wow. So um, it's definitely, they. I, I feel like Apple's definitely taken to heart the criticisms that they've had about that review process because it is leagues better than it used to be and um, it just keeps getting better I know that our average our average wait time was about 12 days so just under two weeks for like the first six months but these days now it's the longest we've had was about four days so it's it's coming along yep. of course this same review process is something that brings us the wonderful likes of cut the birds oh have boy. you guys heard about this yet no, no. so this is a, a kind of crossover between angry birds and fruit ninja <laughs> okay Okay. And cut the rope, presumably? Nope, no cut the rope. Oh. But it's it pops up the angry birds onto your screen. And they they really are the angry birds. I mean, it, it's clear what the author was trying to reference. Mm-hmm. And you cut them. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> That's one of the other things I think I've noticed recently about the, the app store is that they are, by and large, reviewing it for several for a couple things. Number one, to make sure you're not using any of the private API calls that you're not supposed to be using. And for number two, making sure that it launches and making sure that it doesn't crash within the first, like, five minutes. Yep. Aside from that, I don't know. Like, I don't think that also, they do tons. Go ahead. Number three is legal checks. Well, this, this well, I think that's what he's saying. The legal check part. Well, I mean, I don't know if you want to. We, we had a legal uh, rejection for one of our apps, uh, Expo Bingo. Uh, yes, but but again, I think, you know, they, they check for their own legal stuff. Right, right? for their own legal stuff. Okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. As yeah. long as you're not infringing on Apple itself, they don't care. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because, you know, what, what John's talking about is we released for, for Worldwide Developer Conference, we released an app that was supposed to be called Keynote Bingo because, um, you know, it used to be that, you know, whenever Steve Jobs would do a, a product introduction, you know, the internet would have, you know, a month of rumors. Oh my God, what's he going to say? What's he going to say? What's he going to say? And they would make up these bingo cards. And so we made an app that basically let you play that during the keynote. And we called it Keynote Bingo. And they said, we're sorry, you can't call it Keynote Bingo because that's, we have an app called Keynote is, oh God. Yeah. And, you know, I tried to appeal it. I said, I'm like, look, you, you clearly, any idiot is going to look at this and see that we're not trying to talk about your Keynote presentation software. We're talking about the concept of a Keynote speech, which you do not own. But um, we needed to get it out before WWDC. So we ended up just caving and renaming it to Expo Bingo. Um, but, you know, that's that's the kind of legal stuff that Apple looks for is making sure that you're not calling it iPhone. This is my iPhone app 
app, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> but obviously they don't really care as much about third parties. I mean, I've definitely heard about stories of, you know, somebody who either with a jailbroken phone downloaded an app, ripped it apart, rewrote it and re-released it themselves using the exact same art assets with just a slightly different name. And, you know, the developer having to go after them and Apple not being incredibly helpful. But I have heard that, I mean, if you do, there, there are ways to, you know, contact Apple and get them to solve problems like that. But they don't spend a lot of time checking for it in the review process, basically. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right. I am out of questions. Dave, how are you doing? Uh, I, I think I'm good. Um, John, we appreciate you coming on. Yeah, it was great to be here. Jeremy's going to stick around and talk about some topics with us. John's going to get back to work. Yeah, we have to submit to the App Store in December. So we have yeah, I was about to ask, when <laughs> is this going to be available? <laughs> By Christmas. By Christmas. All right. Well, John, thank you very much. Thanks. Bye. Should we keep with the uh, iPhone topic? Let's keep with the iPhone topic because the iPhone 4S came out not too long ago. And it had issues. As all iPhone releases do. This one, though, is how many people buy it in the first week when they know there's going to be some critical flaw with it. What's the critical flaw? I haven't had any problems with mine. On the 4S? Yeah. There's a battery issue. Oh, right, right. I read about it. Yeah. Now, it hasn't happened to everyone. It's not like the, the iPhone 4 antenna issue where it was an inherent design flaw, but it, it's happened to a lot of people. I will say I have noticed that it gets warmer than my iPhone 4 used to, but it doesn't. I haven't really noticed any battery problems, but maybe that's just me. Well, you may just be one of the lucky people. One of the lucky few. Yeah. I love how that um, some of the people have imp- uh, reported improvements when they disable time zone and GPS features. I'm like, well, if you got your GPS going on all the time, of course, you're going to have a battery issue. But I don't, yeah. at least with my phone, that's what I've noticed is when I have the GPS on all the time, it sucks it dry within hours. Yeah, well, I think some of that is probably related to the fact that so many more apps these days are trying to, to build in some sort of location component, you know, because with iOS 4, when it came out last year, they added all of these new abilities for apps to do location stuff from the background and if you let them all do it and you've got 20 apps that are all looking for location information i could definitely see that becoming a yeah. problem oh yeah that's right because they didn't have multitasking before so you yeah. couldn't have multiple things pinging for your location so yeah iphone says or not iphone apple, apple. says that uh they're going to release a fix might as well be iphone soon but they still make computers right <laughs> they make kick-ass computers and i love one of those nice high definition displays that the final cut pro the apple cinema display yeah Andy. <gasps> i'm sorry it Bad looks it's a good display. It it's looks a good display. Oh. It's also about $600 more expensive than it needs to be. But still, oh, it just, that's the problem with the Apple puts all their stuff into the education system early. So you get a taste of it when you're <laughs> learning how to do this stuff in high school and college. And then you get out, you're like, oh man, I really want to get Final Cut Pro and this really nice dual core with the Intel chips and everything. And then you look at the price tag and you're like, I just got out of college. That's not happening now. So speaking of cinema, okay. movies, and but, not really Ubisoft, but Ubisoft. Assassin's Creed. The movie? The movie. Ubisoft just signed a deal, which is evidently a very, very rare deal. The deal is they get complete control. That is unheard of is what that is. Yeah. Interesting. Especially because I, I believe the deal was with Disney. I thought it was with Sony. Is it with Sony? I think control it's with that. Sony. Let's look. Aha. Sony will soon be sh- signing a deal. Yeah. I'm sorry, because I, I was thinking of uh, Prince of Persia, which was Disney. Yeah. So Ubisoft is getting... Sony's producing it, but Ubisoft has control over the budget, over the casting, over the writing, everything. Oh, that is kind of a big deal. <laughs> that which means geez. this movie could be really, really awesome because they have complete like creative control over it, and they're the ones who actually made the story. 
or it could suck balls because they have no idea what they're doing. I don't know. Did you watch any of the um, either the animated short with Assassin's Creed that came out before the le- previous game came out or some of their live action stuff that they did as well? No. It, it wasn't bad. It was what actually was entertaining to watch their, their little Ubisoft? shorts. Yeah, they've got their whole like Ubi Works department now that does all of their Ubisoft stuff that isn't actually video games. Huh. So I think this might... Well, that's promising. Yeah, and they definitely have enough money to... Oh, God. <laughs> Kind of, if even if it's they've got enough money to put behind it to even just ram it through if they need to. So I feel like the trick with going from a game to a movie, as is has always been done wrong, is when you try to make the movie too much like the game. You know, I feel like a lot of times when people produce these movies based on video game properties, that they forget the inherent differences between an interactive medium and a passive medium. And I think that if they can stay clear of that pitfall, I think that it could be pretty good. But the problem that you know I think is implied here is that if you're letting the people who make the game heavily control, I think it's more likely that they're going to forget that problem. Yeah, was the um, the Doom movie where they actually did a first-person perspective for, yeah, like... Yeah, where you could see the fists at the bottom of the screen. Yeah, yeah. Um, but at the same time, you look at that and you say, well, I mean, the Prince of Persia movie, which was Ubisoft, where there were clear references to the game. I mean, the free running, going back and forth, running alongside the wall. I mean, those were all things that were almost iconic to that game. Mm-hmm. And what I think it really comes down to isn't whether or not you choose to make the movie too much like the game or not enough like the game. It's that some games translate well to movies. Sure. Other games don't. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't make a movie of any book on the shelf. No. That was like when um, we talked about the Rock'em Sock'em Robots movie deal. I would thought that was completely ridiculous, but then I saw Real Steel, and it was a decent movie. It actually <laughs> looked pretty cool. I, I, I won't lie. <laughs> you well, about it. It's the like that came for that is going to be the Battleship movie. Oh god, that's are good. they making a Battleship? Movie? Yes, they're making they a Battleship movie. What the f- how? It actually, it's, I mean, it basically looks like a pretty generic alien invasion movie. Yes, alien invasion. How that has to do with the Battleship game, I have no idea. But that's what the trailer makes it look like. So I don't know. We'll see. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> wow. Well, waiting for a Pac-Man movie now. Walk, 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 walk. It'll happen. I'm excited for the Muppets movie, though. Oh, yes. So something that I was excited for that is now going away. Oh, no. What are we losing? Lego Universe. Yes, you were in the beta for that. For I wasn't. I was in the beta early for that. I was in the beta too. I just never, ever, ever logged in. Like I was in the. That was a long was a time ago for that beta. Uh, that yeah, it's shutting down. Evidently, the the idea of having a free section and a not free section and providing your free section with a ton of stuff didn't work out for them. Well. <laughs> There were two ways of because they were trying to do it like the whole MMO thing, but they also wanted to make it kids friendly. Which sometimes there was there was always a little bit of a clash going on with the the adults who were trying to be kids again and just play with the Legos, and then the kids who were kids. So there definitely was some disconnect with the type of pe- that's what they didn't have a focus group of who they were going for. Are they going for the adults? Are they going for the kids? Try to yeah, do when, both, and it just didn't work. When I first read about it, that was one of the first questions that I had was like, who is this game really for? You know, because like you said, it, okay, there's some there was definitely a nugget of a really interesting idea there but who's it for <laughs> you know it's a question we had to ask ourselves about uncle slam you know are we going for the mortal Kombat people or are we going for the angry birds people because if you're going for the mortal Kombat people they're not going to like our game very much no and if you're going but if you're going for you know uh somebody who likes to play angry birds if you make the the fighting system too complex and too too intricate you're going to lose them pretty quickly so you you got to know who your audience is and you got to aim for it you know with both barrels you can't be sort of splitting your your time set the net way 
way too wide. Everyone got out. Yep. It's too bad. So speaking so, of Angry Birds. Angry Birds has sold a lot. <laughs> but I put quotes on that sold. Because I have a feeling they're including the Android with that. Like all the sales to Android. It's free on Android. Yeah, well, I think that's why they quoted as has been downloaded 500,000. Right. And they aren't making money off of every one of those downloads. In fact, many of those downloads are probably to the same people. Because I have downloaded Angry Birds, I have to say, at least a dozen times. Yeah. I've had three different Android devices. I've rooted them all. I, this number to me does not represent there are five, what was it, 500,000 people playing the game. No, they had 500 million. Or 500, 500 million people playing. You know, I'd, I'd still be kind of surprised if there were 500,000. Well, I'm just looking at my phone right now, and I know I have three versions of Angry Birds on my phone as we speak. Right. And so we've got the Angry Birds, Angry the Birds season. you installed them. No. And Angry Birds Rio. So it's, there, I, I'm now three there. people. There is no doubt that Roxio is doing an amazing job, and they are making gobs and gobs of money. But the idea that there are 500 million people playing this game, no. No. Absolutely not. But yeah, but still, you know what? Even one-tenth is still a hell of a lot of people. That is a lot of people. <laughs> and I, I'll take those numbers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's, there's people in the game industry that would just not even a tenth talking about like a hundredth of that amount and they would still be happy. Yeah. See, and that's the thing is that's why it's important when you start talking about these mobile downloads, it's important to put these numbers into context because, you know, okay, so maybe it's not 500 million. So let's assume for a minute that it's one-tenth of that. It's 50 million, okay? That's still a lot of people. That's still a lot of people. And how many Xboxes are out there? I haven't looked recently. <laughs> but probably <laughs> around that many. VG so, Charts shut down a while ago, I think. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying like, you know, the, the iPhone specifically, or I should say iOS devices. So iPhone, iPod Touch, iPads have sold more than 200 million okay in what four years xboxes have not cracked 100 million i don't believe uh and there are 57.6 million xboxes worldwide there you go so one fourth and the xbox has been out longer the xbox came out in what 2005 Five, 2006 yeah so five. 56 million sold versus in six years versus 200 million sold in four years you know mobile this this is why you keep hearing about how you know all these various developers are taking whatever game properties they have and trying to minimize them and put them on mobile because the numbers are just ridiculous. They're just yeah. ridiculous in terms of what you could do. That said, you, know, you, you look at the whether or not it's a oh, 99 cent game or a $50 game. Sure. But again, that's one of the things is, you know, you get a, um, I'm trying to think of what the one of the ones that I remember, because it was a game that was for the DS and it was being sold for whatever DS games would sell for, what, like 30 bucks, 40 bucks. And then they essentially ported it and they released it for 10 bucks on iOS. If you're selling a hundred, if you're selling 10 million copies at 40 bucks versus a hundred million copies at 10 bucks, you know, yeah, you're, you're making a bit more. Exactly, exactly. And that's why I've always I've always tried to figure out why game companies are so intent on, okay, well, games for Xbox One were 50 bucks, but now it's a new generation, we need to charge 60 bucks. That's ridiculous to me. You should price your games based on what you, th- on what price you think is a good value proposition that you'll sell the most and obviously make a little bit of a profit. But there are tons of games that I haven't bought because I'm like, that, sounds, that seems like fun, but I'm not spending 60 bucks on it. Wasn't there, oh God, what was the one company that tried to f- go against Madden football? Was it THQ or is it they tried to release another football game and they put it at like a $20 price point or something like that? I remember what you're talking about, but I don't remember the name. Yeah, because it it quickly disappeared for some odd reason. So people have tried to do that, but it just seems $60. God, even now, buying the collector's edition for stuff now, it's $90, bucks, $120 now. I I would like to point out that video games were just as expensive back in the 80s, the late 80s. Like the the games were regularly $50 or $60. Sure. And adjusting for inflation, they were even 
more expensive then. They're cheaper now. They are cheaper now, but they're not cheap enough would be no, my argument. No. Especially especially when you consider the fact that, you know, okay, so I just bought Uncharted 3, right, for 60 bucks, And I got to put in a one-time use code to get onto the, uh, the multiplayer to play on the PSN. And then I'm sure next month they're going to release some DLC that's going to be 10 bucks, And then the month after that they're going to release DLC that's another 10 bucks. You know, there's the idea that you have to spend the 60 bucks to get on the train and then you can spend more money. I feel like that model is going to be starting to fade more yeah. and more. Oh, but it, it's worse than that because I think it's Gears of War 3 has quote-unquote DLC that's actually on the physical disc. Right. It is locked until you pay for it. Well, that, didn't that happen with Bioshock 2 also a few I years back? Remember. There was like a there was a launch day DLC that cost you like five bucks that was included on the disc. There I wouldn't was, be surprised, but I don't remember. Saboteur had some launch day DLC that was on the disc, but I think they also gave you a one-time code with it if you bought it new. There was actually a prompt menu that said, hey, you haven't installed the DLC yet. Are you sure? Uh, do you want to continue play or not? See, and this is this also speaks to the whole mobile idea. You know, one of the things I've never understood about Angry Birds is that you buy it once and they keep adding more stuff to it, but I you don't just pay give it for to you. it, which is cool. I mean, I have no complaint about that, but you know, that's not a model that you know for the people who aren't getting as many downloads as Angry Birds. I don't see that being a sustainable model. You know, like for us, we're going to release Uncle Slam with ten presidents for a pretty cheap price. It's certainly not going to be sixty bucks, and then there's going to be you know DLC add-on packs for presidents and everything else. But you know, the idea of the game itself costs some ridiculous amount of money and then you can buy more for it um, especially in the days of mobile and you know sort of like small diversion games I feel like that you know th- there's a reason why they're scrambling around and trying to get their games on mobile because they realize that that's where, where things are going to go it's going to be high volume low price and you know hopefully it'll, they'll be able to still make money yep alright and with that said what else do we have Samsung Galaxy has been oh, rooted yes, it's not it even has. out yet it isn't but it's been rooted this is the, the nicety of a Google supported device I'm not sure how this guy did it but he's got a program that will root the Galaxy Nexus. But not only is it not out yet, Andy, there isn't an actual honest-to-God official release date. <laughs> but that that doesn't... How does... The, but how? <laughs> so, DC Online... <laughs> DC Universe Online has gone free to play. That's the other way everything's going now. Is free, you yep. can start playing for free. And not only has it gone online and free to play, but they when they flipped the switch, they got approximately two hundred thousand new people on. Well, I think it all started with the free MMO stuff. Was when Lord of the Rings switched and actually started yep. making money. Yeah, that's when everybody went, "Oh, we actually can do this, this with is the mainstream a MMOs." Business model, really? I had no problem with the freemium model. I think it's a really, really smart way to go. Because I mean, when you think about it, really, all it is 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 the shareware model repackaged. Yep. You know what I mean? It's here it is. You know, use it. I mean, back in the days of shareware, it was use it for 30 days and then we bug you. And then if you, you know, like it, then pay. But these days now it's just, you know, here's the experience. Try it out. It's, a, it's essentially a, a better, a better demo version. Yeah, it's uh, how I got into Wolfenstein 3D, which we talked about last week, was because it basically was passed around as shareware. Commander Keen was the same way. Oh, Commander Keen. Oh, yeah, Commander Keen. We should rename this as the Nostalgic Video Game Podcast. <laughs> we, we need to do start the second one. Too often. <laughs> Escape from Monkey Island. Oh, I've got the whole Monkey Island series and some of the Telltale uh, extensions Remix. as well. So captures are dead? I thought captures were dead a long time ago. Mm, captures were mostly dead a long time ago. Now they are all dead, in the words of Miracle Max. No? Did they figure out how no? to crack them or something? They did. Uh, some Stanford programmers have completely broken text-based CAPTCHAs, including the reCAPTCHA, which was supposed to be like the best and amazing one. Well, the program beat 93% of Mega Uploads tests, 70% of Blizzard Entertainments. Jeez. Yep. So what are we going to do now? Do we have to go back to the cats versus dogs catch-up? I like the cats versus dogs. I think that works out very nice. There's also my personal favorites of like, if you are a human, leave this blank. Ah. Although in the days of Siri, you know, with natural language processing, we might start getting into trouble with that. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, what else was there? There were some good ones. I, I really like the cats versus dogs. Like yeah, that one. All the cats that you see in this picture. That, I think that's going to be the, where you're going to have to go to is things where with us as humans can visually attune. Go okay, that's a cat. That's a dog. But now, unless the you... issue with the cats and dogs one, what do you do for people who are say visually impaired? Oh, mm. you can't listen to the sounds and have like, is this a cat meowing or a dog barking? Yeah, mm, I didn't think about that. Mm. Well, tell you, there's one. It's interesting. Um, we use paychecks, and their online login system uses a, something I've never seen before, which is you got to put in your name and you got to put in your password. But then the submit button is they give you a grid of like six by six pictures, and they're just random pictures. Like one's like a toy truck, and one's like an alien face, and one's like a um, a dog and a cat and a bird and whatever. And the submit button is the one that you picked as like your key, and then they they shuffle the grid every time, and you always have to click on the right one or else it kicks you out. Yeah, but I mean, even with that, if, especially if it's one that you've picked prior, there are image processing macros that will just look for that on the screen. Sure. In fact, I use one. It's called Sekuli. Uh-huh. It's really cool. I think it's just captures of, well, it's the classic secures versus people who are trying to break the locks. Locksmiths yeah, versus always the, lock the makers. Queen of Hearts race. Is that what it's called? Something like that. It has something to do with the Queen of Hearts with the you can run as fast as you want and you won't get anywhere. Okay. So we talked about this when they first brought it out. This is the U.S. Navy Railgun. Ah. Do you remember this when it first came out, Andy? Where it, it could fire at like Mach 1 or Mach 2 or something like that? Mm-hmm. Like a, a 5 kilogram ball or something at Mach 1. Did I see, did I see a Jeremy, YouTube you, of this? You might have. They had a video of it. Yeah, it was like ridiculous. Where it's just this really long machine with hundreds of wires feeding into it. Yeah, I remember it. <laughs> yeah, well, it has launched 1,000 shots. Has it broken down yet? It has not. Oh, this well, that is actually prototype. is a milestone. And it's fired 1,000 shots. And as far as I know, the article doesn't say it has not broken down. Each so, hey. shot has the approximate energy of a one-ton vehicle moving at 100 miles per hour. <laughs> yeah, it was no joke, man. <laughs> yeah, oh, jeez. Oh, and, sorry, the project hits Mach 7. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> looking through the previous articles on it. Mach 7? Mach 7. Now, I do have to point out in this article, they're saying it translates to as many as 15 shots per week. So this is not a... Uh, a rapid fire. No. But this is the prototype. But the, So the one problem with the thing is you're just going to have to at somehow get a whole lot of energy into that all of a sudden. And that's where the constraint is going to be, is energy uh, transfer. I don't know. I'm seeing a whole new class of ship designed to be thin and long, very similar to the aircraft carriers that just has two or three of these side by side with a very large nuclear engine in the back generating however much power you need God, that's, that's crazy yeah and what's crazy. even crazier is this is the navy right <laughs> the navy is really really good at getting really really accurate with dumb projectiles well that wasn't that well some they of the have, first computers were all have, basically set up to just do that was for land-based artillery oh okay yeah no the navy was already good at that well that's what naval warfare was since the very beginning was just from a distance trying right. to hit them with a big ball of steel. So, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of terrified that the Navy could get really good at aiming this. The only problem is you get, if you're on the ocean, you got to keep yourself stable enough. No, but that's the point. The, the Navy is really good at this, Andy. I'm just trying to shoot holes in it. Besides, I mean, this thing's leaving at Mach 7. Do you think that you'd actually have enough time to move to adjust it since, between the start of firing and the end of firing? No, yeah, if this not. thing's aimed at you, it's basically going to be, oh, look, they're aiming at, bam. <laughs> yeah. Mach 7, you'll see the flash, and that's it. 
Holy crap. Okay, what else we got? Uh, ice cream. What do, you, what do you have with ice cream? Oh, Dippin' dip Dots. Dots. Dippin' Dots is filing for bankruptcy. I never understood Dippin' Dots. It's actually a very well-written article about Dippin' Dots. Not like the history of it, but just what it has represented. And yes, it isn't really the ice cream of the future, because it's already the future. At this point, we are in the future from when Dippin' Dots was made. But it's the, the kind of aspirations of man. The aspirations of man through crazy ice cream? Yes. Uh, it's a good article. Give it a read. I'll, I'll, It'll take you three minutes. I'll have to do that later. Right. The Mars 500, another thing that started after we started this podcast, <laughs> has come to an end. Oh, is it? Are they finally done? Yeah, it's 17. It's 500 day, 520 days later now. Well, probably 521 plus something, you know, depending on when people listen to this. Um, but it's done. They went to Mars and came back. All How'd they do? Of their own little capsule. Well, none, uh, of them, none of them caved and, ex- and escaped early, so. <laughs> none of them caved and killed each other. Yeah, yeah. I wonder what they would. You can't spend 500 days in somewhat isolation. You figured they'd have known this from very various jails and prisons, but I guess they wanted to test this. And submarines and yep. sailing ships from the olden times. Yep. How, I wonder guys, how they dealt with the food, though. They just packaged it all. Oh, geez. It was all packaged food. They loaded everything up at the start, and that was it. And as far as entertainment, they had a Wii with rock band, not rock band, Guitar Hero. <laughs> they must These have gotten... guys have to be really good at Guitar Hero. <laughs> but just say the first Guitar Hero, because you can be good at Guitar Hero and then still pick up a song that's new to you, and it's not going to be good. After 500 days, Andy? Maybe you can, man. I rock and roll the Guitar Hero. <laughs> yeah, like 500 days of practice with Guitar Hero, you could probably be presented with any stream of five colored lines and you will rock it out. Dave, I think we need to start up another experiment. No! <laughs> I need you to play Guitar Hero every day. For 500 days. 500 days. No. And then I'll get a new song and then throw it at you and see how you do. No. Come on. You you like Guitar Hero. Absolutely not. You don't like Guitar Hero? I love Guitar Hero. I'm not doing... No. Andy, the first episode we missed recording was because of Guitar Hero. (laughs) I remember that. No. All right. So some of the articles that I had actually picked out. Um, the FCC has gone on with their rules for putting broadband internet through the power lines. Okay. Which seems to be a little late to their party because mostly all of the people who have done broadband over power lines have realized they can get more bandwidth and faster speeds doing it wirelessly. Really? Yeah. Wow. But the FCC really wanted to get this through. They actually broke a couple of the rules of order of process for the FCC that they need to do <laughs> in order to try to get this through. So they finally did it and it's not really needed. Okay. Something that we didn't post about, but there's an ad for it on the side of this page, so I figured I'd bring it up. Uh, Canon had their huge global event. Oh, and God, the, the camera that can shoot at 4K at, what, 25 frames a second? Yeah, it's supposed to compete with the red cameras. Yet, it's still interesting. You go to a movie theater, you wait long enough, to the end of that screen, the end of the credits at the end, you'll still see that like 90% of the films out there are still using like Kodak film. Andy, I've talked to you about this. They're not actually using Kodak film. They're probably using cameras, but not film. They're using Kodak products. They aren't actually recording the movie on the Kodak film anymore. Kodak isn't even making the film anymore. Kodak is worthless. Okay, so then when you go to the movies, I've seen this a couple times, you should actually see the red logo then if they're still using the red cameras. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've counted that I think three or four times of films that have actually used the red cameras. Okay. So I'm still thinking that Hollywood is still stuck in, they're not going to switch over yet. Andy, Kodak is considering filing for bankruptcy. Yeah. The stocks are worthless. Do you think they would be worthless if the entire movie industry depended on them? No. You have a point there. Well, to be clear, there are still some people shooting on film because they like it and for artistic reasons and blah, blah, blah. But um, I I don't even know if we're necessarily into the majority yet, but if not, we're getting really close that things are being shot digitally um, to look like film. Uh, But yeah, you're right. I mean, the, the idea of Kodak supplying film 
into the film industry, that is a losing proposition if you're a, if you're buying the stock these days. And also, you don't have to be using the red camera to be shooting digitally. There's tons of other. Yeah, there's Airy, Barco, IMAX, Kodak, a bunch of them, Real D, Red, Sony. Wasn't it, there an, a, a full episode of House shot on the Canon? Uh, there was. That 50s? was the season finale, I think. Two seasons? No, was it last season or was it the season before? I think it was, yeah, it was the season before. So two seasons ago. Yep. How do I remember that? Because you're a geek. <laughs> yeah, but I haven't actually been paying attention to House since... He's in jail, evidently. No, he already got out of jail, oh, I thought. Well, I, from the... I don't know. I haven't watched it in three seasons. I caught an episode out of the corner of my eye. <laughs> yeah, I gave up mid-last season with House. After, yeah, after um, stop. the one guy killed himself and then 13 left, that's when I stopped watching after yeah. those two. Okay. After, uh, Kumar left, or was it Harold? Kumar. Kumar. I think. <laughs> Speaking uh, of which, that movie's out on theaters now. Yeah. Didn't he go to, like, work at the White House, though? Why mm-hmm. is he making another movie? He went to work on Obama's campaign. Ah, and then the campaign ended, and he was already off of House. Yep. I okay. believe that's right. I believe that's accurate. PAX East. Registration. Live. Yeah. Child's Play is live. One note on PAX East. Easter weekend. Is it? Yep. Awesome. April 6th through the 8th. Awesome. My birthday weekend, too. Ah, well, happy birthday. You should go to PAX East and celebrate <laughs> it. Are you guys going to be showing off at PAX East? Yeah, we're probably going to be showing off Game Minder at PAX East. Very nice. Hopefully I'll see you there. Yep, yep. Yeah, they YouTube. pushed it back by about a month this year. It was in early March last year, but I think they pushed it back because they didn't want to uh, collide with GDC again. Mm. Oh, they did, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, it literally, is. like, half of the half of the industry people that were at PAX East had literally come, like, hopped Straight on a plane at GDC and arrived at PAX, like, within hours of one another. Hmm. Three-day pass, $65. All right, what else do we got here trying to wrap this up? Uh, Child's Play has gone live. They've already raised 400, 440, something like that. 40,000, 400,000. Their goal this year is actually 2 million, which is up a million from their million goal last year, which they always yeah, destroyed. Yeah, they've, they've smashed that goal year after year. Yeah. Uh, so they've already collected 450,000. Not bad. So they're halfway to a million, and they just opened. Um, YouTube is starting to do... I guess TV channels, quote unquote. Okay. Yeah, they they want to create channels that, with original content, and they right now have about. So well, they're expected to generate twenty five hours of new programming a day. Things like um, car and driver televisions, uh, a show from Jay Z, a show from Ben Silverman, and show with Amy Poehler. Aston Kutcher, Madonna. Yeah, they haven't really... They just announced it, so... They're saying, hey, there's something going to be coming from these guys, which is not really interesting, but I thought it was interesting that YouTube is trying to do more original content that isn't cats playing the piano. Hey, nothing wrong with cats playing the piano. In fact, I've seen a YouTube video now of a hamster sitting on a piano eating popcorn. I saw that video, too, as well. I actually saw it on NBC News, like the Nightly News. (laughs) Why? I'm not exactly sure, but it was on the NBC Nightly News. Andy? Yeah? Have you seen Baby Monkey? You're speaking Greek to me now so no baby monkey on a pig no you know what a mind worm is right no a mind worm is one of those things where it you know you watch it once and then it's there and you can never ever ever get rid of it ever like goatsy kind of okay boy (laughs) your new mind worm not gonna click it we gotta finish recording oh they actually made it into an iphone game it was originally a video and they took it and they made it into an iphone game all right so final topic so you remember how i talked about how the fcc was doing the universal service funds to subsidize we all paid on our cell phone bills in order to get people in the middle of montana landline phones well they've decided to cut that out and replace it with broadband internet access okay it's still going to be getting paid the same way (laughs) basically they said okay we're using exactly the same program except we're going to put it towards broadband internet rather than landline phones. Because no one uses landlines. True. And if they broadband internet, they can just use a voice. There you go. Also true. I applaud this. Most people do, except for the rural carriers who are getting this money. They're like, well, wait a second. You mean we actually have to put in lines now? 
So, all right, Woo. that's all. Yeah, I know. Topics. Yes. Review. Um, Arkham well, Asylum. Go or not Arkham Asylum? Arkham. That City. was that was the other game, the new game, Batman Arkham City. Yeah, Arkham City. Go. Um, I liked it. It's a lot more open than Arkham uh, Asylum was. Uh, I still love more um, the Riddler stuff rather than the actual game. So okay. I'm running around. I think I've only completed two or three of the actual like so story. You, you are missions. that Batman arcade comic where Batman's just kind of going by and ignoring everything for the Riddler. Yeah, it's like, oh, okay, I'm going to do that. Oh, look, there's a Riddler trophy over here. Let me go do that. And blah, blah, blah. oh, there's a Riddler trophy for gliding for so many miles or meters. I'm going to go try and get that now. And I, I haven't done the actual game at all really that much, but it's still fun. The the uh, fight mechanics are still such fluid and nice and looks like things really hurt, which is a plus. Okay. So I love it. I How's the voice acting? Well, it, it's Mark Hamill and Kevin again. So it's, I can't remember Kevin's last name. You're like, you're on first name basis with this guy? What? I did, the guy who does Batman from the animated series. They're, back, they're both back again. So For the last it, time. Yes. Because that's what Mark Hamill said last time, was that that was his last time. And now this is his last time. Yes. So uh, it's, I like it. Granted, they... The big point for like, oh, buy it here, you'll get this costume, or buy it over here, you'll get this costume. Um, you can't actually put the costumes on in the actual game. It's only in the uh, challenge maps or after you beat the game that you're able to put these costumes on. So so you really don't care. Yeah. It's like, oh, I get the animated Batman costume, but I can't really use it ever. Okay. So And all the, all the DLC that they're putting out for like Nightwing and Robin and Catwoman and everything. It's all, well, Catwoman's actually integrated into the game. So if you buy it new, you can get the Catwoman, and it actually kind of weaves the Catwoman story in with the rest of your normal story. So that one's actually nice, but the Nightwing and the other stuff, that's all just challenge maps. So, all right. Eh, whatever. Is it worth the 60 bucks? I liked it. If you liked the first one, which most people did, get this one because it's more of the same and more. What if you didn't play the first one? Well, then you should just go to GameStop and get the first one and try it out. It's uh, going to be, what, like 10 bucks right now? Probably. So, All right. Jeremy, do you have any experience with Arkham City? You know, I played Arkham Asylum for about two or three days, and it never really spoke to me. So I returned it, or, you know, traded it, whatever. Yeah. All right. Our games. Oh, the last one. Holy shit. Uh, we need to get to work on that then. What do you mean? We need to figure out what we're replacing it with. <laughs> I don't think we need to replace it with anything. Because we've got the reviews now. Yeah. Okay. Our game's the last one. It's been a year. World of Warcraft. For both of us? Yeah. Oh, dear. Ending with a bang. God, I have literally played days. That slash played got me scared after a while. I stopped doing it. I'm not sure I want... I know the last level in World of Warcraft, I put in, like, 18 hours. To Just jump on the from left. 84 to 85. Oh, side note, I actually have an 85. I have a max level character for the first time since Burning Crusade came out. Well, you had a level 60 before Burning Crusade came out. That's why I said since Burning Crusade crusade came out okay i thought you meant you got a max level at bernie crusade and now you've got another but okay no, i get you no. oh man that was some crazy times with wow jeremy you ever play the wow you know i once had a friend tell me if you start playing wow you'll never play another game ever again and that scared me off of it it so i have yet to wade into the into hmm. the uh mmo waters really it's not true like there are many other games that i continue to play to this day sure but it, it certainly does grab the lion's share. Well, and I'll be honest with you, I got three kids. Oh, <laughs> ah. I don't want to be one of those guys that is no, uh, no, 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 disappearing no. for eight hours at a stretch. How and, old is the youngest? Or Yeah, how old is the youngest? Uh, they are five, three, and eight months. No, don't. 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 <laughs> don't get into it. No. Yeah. This would so be I, I like my games. I like my life. game self-contained. So, like, yeah. right now I'm playing through Uncharted 3. That'll take me a couple weeks, and then I'll probably move on to Skyrim. See, that's the thing. Skyrim's coming, and how Skyrim... find time to game? If I play Skyrim, 
Skyrim like I played Oblivion, it'll it's it's almost like playing WoW because I played Oblivion. Like my main character had more than three hundred hours on him, so yep. I'm hoping I don't do that again with Skyrim. Sounds like my Fallout character. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fallout's another one. Oh goodness, it's like okay, well I gotta do this. Why? I don't know, but I'm still gonna do it. And I, I think WoW is actually the only game that's held me and my attention for that long, for as long as I was. I don't think any other game is really gonna come close. Mm-hmm. Granted, I did take like three years off. How long has WoW been out? It's been out for like seven years now. It's crazy. It's a long-running game, and it's still successful. It's making Activision a bucket of money. Yeah, that one's not free to play. It is to level 20 now. Oh, is it? Yeah. I did not know that. You can play all the way up to level 20 for free. Huh. You Which basically like takes over for like a demo. And trade and, you know, interact with people, but you can play the game. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I'm not going back, ever. No. Uh, you, you probably shouldn't. No, that... Dark times, man. Dark yeah. times. The room was a mess. There was rotting food everywhere. It was. I've I I have fallen victim to it again, as I've been talking about for the last five six weeks at least. But it's not that bad because I have a full time job that I'm keeping. Yeah, as long as long as you haven't been fired for a WoW addiction, you're no, probably all right. I've I've been putting in my forty five to fifty hours a week. At the job, none. <laughs> I was going to ask, 45, 50 hours with the witch. <laughs> yeah, for a while, that sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. No, that's why I stopped playing with because I was putting in full days of WoW. Yeah, you just get up, you start, you know, randomly running through stuff. Maybe you do some grinding. Yep. You, you grind for mats, you eat lunch, you grind for mats, you raid, you raid, you go to sleep, you wake up, you repeat. You run through some of the battlefields, you know, just for some variety. Variety, nothing. You need to run them for better gear for the raid. <laughs> Everything was all about the raid. That's it like, is. It, that was it, part it, of the problem. It comes down to. Oh, I I do have to say, um, Andy's I'm like not I'm not proud of it, but uh, I actually did cry when I got kicked out of one of my guilds. You cried? I cried. Wow. So I'm like, well, now what? They don't like me. Well, I also got kicked out for a stupid reason, too. Why did they kick you out? I don't don't remember them kicking you out. I I got kicked out because I found the Dwarven hand cannon during just a random group, quote-unquote, just grinding for, uh, I was grinding for black leather. And so we were in, like, we were all just randomly, and I had dropped off on my own, but I was still grouped with them. And one of the guys was in the uh, zone, but he was close enough to... um, To be able to roll. Yeah. And you needed. (laughs) Yeah, because I thought I was by myself. And then he complained to the guild leader that I got kicked out, and he was like, you sold it. You should have paid me my dues or this oh what that's the other problem with mmos is all the drama yeah oh drama the drama and the idiots all right we have a topic we need to hit andy yes random topic i rolled ahead of time what is the one thing that you would change about your web page john huh. or not john jeremy. jeremy yeah i did it too it's okay yeah jeremy is there one thing that you would change about your web page um can can say have a worthwhile mobile version count because <laughs> we've been yes. meaning to do a mobile version forever we just haven't gotten around to it that counts that's fine oh yeah there you go that's what i would do andy um I was thinking about this before I was working full-time again, but having a spot that you could actually post written articles on the page, but now having a full-time job, I, I kind of don't have time to write. Yeah, I had actually thought about that, and that's why you, you and I have the ability to actually post, but it's not quite what I wanted. Well, I'm always kind of, this is not just our webpage, but this is just all web pages in general, is the fact that everybody's got a widescreen laptop monitor. Well, okay, now we've got mobile screens, so this kind of goes back to it again, but everything is still built with that 4x3 look of the non-widescreen monitors. Yep. So there's lots of just empty, empty real estate not well, getting used you, at all. Well, because you have to still take into account the people who don't. Yeah. And it really And now them, mobile yeah. screens are now basically more vertical than horizontal unless you turn them sideways. Right. So the vertical, actually, the vertical layout of our site works well on mobile, I think. Well, personally, that's good. I, I don't know. I'll have to track it out on my phone, which is not here at the moment. Okay. Um, that and the episode title yeah. is slightly off-center. Yeah. <laughs> 
So it's not either, it's not all the way to the left. Uh, it's kind of got like an indent, and it's not center. That. If you can make it center, that'd be great, because the play bar is center. Or you can make it all the way to the left, like the rest of the stuff, it's all the way to the left. I might, might be able to actually fix that for you, Andy. That and comments. Yeah, it's, screw that. <laughs> Those are so long gone. Okay, then the forums. Those are also long gone. Do we even, why do I still have the forums button up there? I don't know. That should be, like, blasted to nothing. So yeah, that's the one thing, uh, I okay. don't know. So that's, those are the things you would change. Yes. The one Dave, thing you would you? change is kind of the layout-ish. Yes. Okay. Dave, yeah. what would you pick? Oh, the, the one thing about my site that I'd change? Yes. The number of people that go to it. Boo. <laughs> Boo. Oh, come on. You knew that was coming. You had to find a loophole, didn't you? Absolutely. I think that's a fantastic one. No, I, I like the idea. In fact, many of the things you said were things that I had already had ideas for, and... I, I work full-time now. It's very hard to find the time to go in and figure out how I wrote this code to begin with. Because we wrote this back in 2000... Well, I wrote this back in 2008. Okay. We've had this website for three years. Okay. I don't remember most of the code at this point. Okay. How much time are you spending on WoW? A lot. Just pointing out. You're spending out time on yep. WoW. I, I know. Okay. I know. Uh, there's the make new. <laughs> Link to publish. Control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fine. Okay. Render that. I actually am going and editing the site right now trying to figure out how I can get that thing centered. All right. So while Dave's doing that, I'm going to wrap up this episode. Go for it. All right, Jeremy, we always let our guests... Um, before they go, plug anything that you would like to plug. This time is yours. Fabulous. Well, um, as mentioned, we are Handelabra, so you can find out about all we do at Handelabra.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Handelabra. Uh, and the main thing that's coming up before Christmas is Uncle Slam, which you can find at UncleSlam.com, and you can also follow Uncle Slam himself at Uncle Slam. Okay. Well, Jeremy, thank you very much for uh, spending a Saturday afternoon with us. Thanks for having me, guys. And, and that's it. All right. Yeah. Have a good week, everyone. Thanks a lot.